Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Dan Chronicles, the monthly miscellaneous newsletter that's delivered straight to your inbox. And this is April 2023. And yeah, I think we should start with the most exciting news, and that is I've started a new job. I am director of community at this fantastic company called Vantage. Vantage is a cloud cost visibility SaaS solution that is basically in the exact same realm of what I've been doing previously. Uh, So at my past companies, both Datadog and Full Story, this would be one of the type of tools that I would have used as a FinOps practitioner, so to speak. And so now I'm kind of going over to the vendor side, which is a big change for me, which is kind of why last month I was talking a bit about career changes and thinking deeply about it. And if you want to know a little bit more about the thought process uh, and all the different kind of career paths I had identified for myself as a FinOps practitioner, there is a post on my website, danb.org, that talks about if you are a FinOps practitioner, what sort of roles can you look for? So starting from traditional FinOps practitioner roles, but at different size companies, like what is it going to look like to be at a startup versus at an enterprise and so on and so forth? If you were going to try to go out and do your own thing, what would that look like and what would the challenges be? Uh, And then if you're going over to the vendor side, what should you be looking for and what sort of roles can you have in order to be valuable to an earlier stage startup? So I wrote this really long blog post that I published alongside the announcement that I went to Vantage and I've been getting a lot of really positive feedback uh, and working Every day at at this new role has been interesting and a challenge because it's different work than what I am used to. I have not really been director of community or in developer relations at all previously, but it's a fun new world and I kind of get to figure it out as I'm going along. Uh, So if you're in the New York City area, uh, you should definitely come to one of my first meetups that I'm hosting. There's some information about that in the newsletter. So definitely check out the newsletter notes or the actual newsletter if you get that for some of the more details. But yeah, big news. I started a new job and I'm really enjoying it. Now it's time for the stories. Man, there's so much happening right now in the world of artificial intelligence. Uh, it's it's going to go in two directions, right? Either it's this is kind of like the beginning of COVID when Everybody was kind of looking at exponential growth in the number of cases and couldn't imagine what it really looked like. And nobody was really prepared for COVID to spread the way that it did. And and it's possible that if AI is in this exponential growth curve, it's going to be like that, where all of us right now kind of have no idea what's coming. Um, The other option is that the technology sort of levels out. Right. And so we get this flurry of activity now. Uh, and then it's going to kind of like calm down and settle, and, and the winners will rise to the top. And, and that's sort of what it's looking like. But right now, we're in the period where there's just a million things happening. And it seems like each day there's some crazy new advancement that if you're not paying attention to this closely day to day, it's it you miss you're missing some serious stuff that is happening. Uh, and so this newsletter could easily be just an AI newsletter. But 
I don't want to do that. I don't think anybody here wants me to do that. Uh, there's this newsletter called Ben's Bytes that's already doing it, and he's doing it better than I ever could. So if you're interested in AI, check out Ben's Bytes. Uh, otherwise, I'm just going to share kind of three things that happened this past, past month that caught my attention, and then leave it at that in terms of the world of artificial intelligence. So the very first thing is Amazon kind of put their hat in the ring, uh, but it's really interesting, whereas most other companies right now are investing in GPUs and large language models themselves and trying to build their own AI. Uh, Amazon is being true to its retail roots and wants to be a platform that different AI companies can use to sell their services in the same way they've been doing for like a retailer for products and also AWS are kind of like a neutral third party where you can get any sort of AI. And so I thought that was a really interesting stance to make, uh, to take sort of like selling jeans in a gold rush, right? Jeans and pickaxes. So it's an interesting business model of theirs. We'll see if they actually try to get into the AI space themselves. But as of right now, they're just going to be a neutral platform for businesses that want to uh, put AI into their uh, applications. And so that's pretty interesting. The second thing that really caught my eye in terms of artificial intelligence this month was all of the stories about people falling in love with their AI. Uh, There's this application called Replica with a K that a lot of people are using, and it's just an AI chatbot that makes it seem like it's a person, and it kind of learns facts about you, and it's like a virtual pet, but it's a person that you chat with, and people are getting romantic with their chatbots and falling in love with their chatbots and getting explicit with their chatbots. And there was a lot of drama this past month because the creator of the app, uh, I don't, he came forward and said that he had no idea that people were using his application for romantic, erotic stuff, and then disabled all of those features. And all of these people just came pouring out of the woodwork being like, you destroyed my love. What are you doing? And there's just been so many different stories about this that it's been absolutely wild to see. And so I went back and I rewatched the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix, where Joaquin Phoenix has this voice assistant that he ends up falling in love with, just to refresh my memory on the movie. And it's interesting because in the movie, it's sort of implied that the AI needs to have sentience in order for Joaquin Phoenix to fall in love with her. Uh, And in real life, it doesn't need that at all. These AIs are really not that great yet, uh, and people are still massively falling in love with them. And so this is just an interesting place to keep an eye on. And and it's a place that I'm kind of definitely watching closely. The last thing I want to touch on is the biggest development in the world of AI, uh, and that is generative agents. There was a research paper where basically they were able to give AI three things. Uh, The first thing is a memory, so it could make its own memories of things that happened. Then there's a process to synthesize those memories into higher level reflections so they can at a later point think back on the the their memories and basically whittle them down into lessons or things. And then the last thing is the ability to dynamically retrieve those reflections and memories in order to plan behavior. Uh, and so they were able to create this simulation that's kind of like the sims the video game where they released these people and they were able to have this 
kind of society simulation with these artificial intelligent agents. Uh, and so it's wild. We're we're getting to the point where it's really kind of scary. And either this is going to go in one of two directions, right? One, it's going to be uh, we're going to reach the, the singularity or two, we're going to annihilate all of humanity. Because uh, if you give a generative agent a goal of doing blank and they want to do blank by destroying humanity because that is has no good or bad to them it just like is the same as um ordering a pizza right uh yeah i don't know this is all really scary and it's all going so 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 fast so i really hope that we're able to get the right guide rails in place uh globally before anybody kind of gets to the point where these ais are smart enough to outsmart us the next thing i wanted to share with everybody is uh one of the instant buys for me when I found this out, but Bill Watterson, the creator of Calvin and Hobbes, is coming out with a new book, which he has been notoriously a recluse. He finished doing Calvin and Hobbes and just sort of disappeared. And the thing that we love most about Bill Watterson is he never sold commercial rights for any of the Calvin and Hobbes stuff. So that's why you don't see a bunch of toys and a bunch of cartoons and all the commercialization. It kind of is the comic book. And that really is what it remains. And so it's this pure version. And so I think everybody really kind of likes Bill Watterson. Uh, and so, yeah, he's partnering. He's co-writing this new book called The Mysteries that is basically is being marketed as a fable for grownups by Bill Watterson. And so for me, I don't know, what is it? 17 bucks? Instantly, I went on Amazon and this is a pre-order. If you have positive memories about Calvin and Hobbes, maybe you two would be interested, which is why I wanted to share it in this newsletter. I'm not sure how many of you remember some of the old school mobile applications for iOS, but there was this one called Hipstamatic, and this was before Instagram. And Hipstamatic was really the very first mobile application to introduce the concept of photo filters. So you would be able to take a photo and then apply these preset filters to give them different moods or different feel to them. And in the terms of the race for popularity, uh, Instagram definitely won. And so that's why most people know and, and maybe even continue to use Instagram and have never heard of or do not use Hipstamatic anymore. But the big news this month was that Hipstamatic is back and they created a brand new photo sharing app called Hipstamatic X, which I think is pretty fantastic. And I've been getting kind of fed up with Instagram because they're just trying to copy TikTok and do all of these videos and the timeline, the way that's programmatic, it never really shows me the people that I want to see. And I feel like it doesn't show any of my stuff to anybody else because I'm not posting on a perfect schedule. And it's this whole just commercialized, horrible thing now. Uh, and Hipstamatic X is really, it feels all about the joy of taking photos, kind of like the earlier days of Instagram. So I've been having a blast. I've been taking photos. I don't actually know anybody else personally who is on it, but I've made a bunch of stranger friends and we all kind of look at each other's photos and like them. And it takes a little bit to get used to. It's a different layout than I'm used to with uh, Instagram. But once you get the hang of it, it's a blast. And I've been taking a bunch of photos and having fun on it. And you should definitely check it out if you're kind of sick of the Instagram craziness and want to go back to taking some old cool old school cool photos. 
for those of us who are, are above a certain age, uh, you'll never be able to forget that sound of a modem connecting. It's absolutely iconic. And there was a website that did a spectrogram of that sound uh, and broke down exactly what it was doing, what the functions were of this sound and why it was playing. Uh, and for those of us that are a bit more technical, you might know it as a handshake. And so the sound that is playing is basically two modems having a conversation to establish connection to see how good the line was because these are voice lines that were originally intended for human voices and they're sending data. And so part of that sound in the conversation is determining how good the quality is. And and a bunch of other sort of data and communication is traded back and forth. And so this does a really great job of explaining it and breaking it down. So if you have that sound burned into your brain and you want to know a little bit more about what the communication was, uh, this spectrogram is is a really great illustration of that. And lastly, I'm I was going to say recommending, but I'm not really recommending. I am sharing this 25-minute video of this man called Bobby Fingers, who I guess is a professional model model maker or or something, but he made this 25-minute video of him making a model of Michael Jackson in his Pepsi commercial where he got lit on fire and burned half of his face really poorly. That happened oddly, almost exactly in the center of his life. Uh, but this video is, I guess it, it's definitely my I guess type of humor, but it, it's surreal and absurdist. And the thing that I like so much about it is how absolutely skilled and talented he is, both at making this model and at filming and editing and writing the script. It is just pitch perfect and amazing. And he is putting those skills to use in this utterly bizarre way. And it's just an absolute joy to watch, at least for me. And so I I had to share it in here. If, If any of that sounds up your alley, definitely check out the video. If it doesn't, I guess don't. But this video from Bobby Fingers about making the diorama of Michael Jackson catching on fire is wild. And it's very original. It's not something that you'll see uh, very often. And that's it. That's all the stories in this month's newsletter. If you want to sign up, if you're not signed up yet, you can go to danberg.substack.com. Dan is with two N's. So D-A-N-N-B-E-R-G.substack.com. If you want to go to my website, it's danb.org. Again, two N's. And with all of that said, I will see you next month. (laughs) 